0: Whenever you hear the word wealth, what do you picture? When you ask yourself what kind of impact you'd like to have on the world around you, what is it that comes to mind? Have you ever stopped to think about your answers to these questions before? Well, here we are again, another week, and another amazing guest on Scale Up with Nick Bradley. I thank you, my listeners, my subscribers to the podcast, for always tuning in. And not only that, for sending me your feedback, your suggestions, and opinions about the content my team and I produce for you. Well, this week, the guest is Scott Danner. And him being here on the show is so timely with all the crazy things happening around our world these days. Hopefully our conversation offers you clarity, maybe a shift in perspective, and most
1: importantly, hope. Discipline creates systems, processes, life virtues and principles, all the things that actually guide you to your best life.
0: You see, Scott is a financial advisor. His background is almost the same as mine. And he is the author of the book, Freedom Street, where he writes about discipline being equal to freedom, something that I believe as well. But Scott didn't come on the show to only talk about finances, okay? This is a much deeper conversation, in fact, our conversation takes a bit of a different turn for the better, in my opinion, as we decided to explore the topic of wealth from a different angle than you might have expected. And that is rich relationships, as opposed to just focusing on literal material wealth. So, what are you going to get from this episode? Firstly, how you can define your true and personal definition of wealth, of impact and legacy how discipline isn't really the opposite of freedom. In fact, it is what gives us the freedom to go after our success. Also, how to build a rich life that consists of family, health, work, spirituality, and wealth, and so much more.
1: It's developing um, the conversations that we're having right now, having a lot more of them and helping to learn and grow along the way that's only gonna help me in other things that I do.
0: So here he is, get ready to get better together with the incredibly insightful and amazing Scott Danner. Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up. Another week, another amazing guest. And today, this is this feels like coming home, this conversation, right? because I have got on the show today, Mr. Scott Danner. And he has got a background. I mean, it's different to mine, but it's not that much different to mine. And we're going to get into all things wealth creation, uh, financial freedom. We're going to talk about what it means to build wealth and also build impact and all the stuff in between that. So, Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Nick, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. I love that we can dance in the same room and understand <laughs> what each other's talking about. And I know that your background is so similar in thought, not just in background. And that's, that's exciting to me.
0: I like it. One of the gifts of podcasting, and I've said this a few times is the connections you make with people who have not necessarily had the same experiences, but they, they might have the same mission or the same intent, similar values and that sort of stuff. And, and I got a sense when I was kind of just doing a bit of preparation before you coming on that I thought, God, you know, it's like, it's like reading some of the stuff that I went through in my own personal transition and transformation outside of the world of, Financial services. So delighted to have you on here. So let's let's get into it. And um, for everyone here, just to understand a bit more about you, I'd like you to give me a brief rundown of of your story, really. And you know, from where you are now, but more importantly, how you've got there.
1: Sure. Uh, the The quick version. I always like to start with life. So I'm a father and a husband. I've been married almost 19 years. I have two boys. And uh, they're 12 and 15, and that is the uh, most exciting and best part of my life. Now, there's a lot of busyness and business, and the words tend to go together, unfortunately. But um, I'm the CEO of a company called Freedom Street Partners, and uh, I started it about five, six years ago with with a a great team. And we specialize in helping make independence and um, the next chapters of people's careers smoother easier um, you know more fluid and and honestly the things they're challenged with that's the stuff we focus on all the minutia it's like having a, a great dinner party and um, but making sure that all the little things are met like a great dinner party is nothing if you don't have great conversations the room isn't set up right the food doesn't arrive on time it's not it's not hot like those are the things that we really spend a lot of time around the relationship. Prior to that, I spent 15 years as what I call a lifestyle financial advisor. Uh, I started at, at 23 in the business. I came from no money, no money background, no money experience. Um, I was a hustler and somebody that was just thirsty to learn, and so I'm still in that space. I learn every day from from uh, the people around me, and I keep surrounding myself with people that are even better and further along than I am along the ride. and And that's been that's been great. And then just recently, we we released a book uh, called Freedom Street, and it's based on the very things that I've been noticing in these transitions as people go to that next chapter that they're they're ready for the chapter, but they're not often emotionally ready. And so, you know, these are some of the things that, that I spend a lot of time in day in and day out. And, and uh, so hopefully that's the, the, the bio, the quick version. Okay, that that, that was a nice hear.
0: quick version. That was good. Now, now we're going to kind of go boom into it. Right. Okay. <laughs> cause, cause I like to go beneath the bio. Right. So, so your, your book, you know, one of the things you say there is discipline equals freedom. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I think that growing up, my, my father was super, uh, super strong, super disciplinarian, mm-hmm. and I came from a disciplined background. Um, you know, it was, uh, yes, sir, uh, you know, all the things that I grew up with was discipline. My, my perception of discipline was not very kind or good in, as I was growing up. And so what a lot of us think when we come from a disciplined background We actually think the opposite for a short time being. And so discipline equaling freedom is is actually that connection where you make the connection in life to understand that the chaos of being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, is exactly the recipe against success, not the recipe for success. And discipline creates systems, processes, life virtues, and principles all the things that actually guide you to your best life, and um, I'm very grateful today in my 40s for my parents and the way I was brought up, and and I, the things I thought were so disciplined were quite frankly, uh, you know, it was disciplined with freedom at the same time. They gave me the ability to make decisions and choices and fail, and all those things got me to mer- where I am today. And so discipline is, is just so it's, it's creating order in your life from chaos. And I feel like that's, that's one of the biggest secrets to success. Would you consider that one of your values now or one of your drivers still? I think it is. I mean, I, I have to create a discipline process in anything I do mm-hmm. because my brain is that ADHD, high energy, super, uh, I can go anywhere, anytime I could do anything at any time. Discipline organizes me and it keeps me from failing. It, it actually is a self-awareness thing as well. And I think some people are born disciplined. I, I am, I am definitely of that mold, but it's mainly because I am self-aware at what I can lose in myself by all the other fun, shiny objects that appear.
0: Well, the, the born discipline thing often comes from the environment that you you grow up in, right? As you described beforehand, and we, we could be brothers here, right? Because I grew up in a very disciplined, thing. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandfather was one of the most uh, influential um, people in my life growing up, and he was super disciplined. And then I went off to go and do a heap of stuff, I think, based on that. And even today, I think it's, it's important. And people ask me, and I, I kind of just want to sort of contextualize this a little bit. You know, sometimes discipline is hard right? The, the ability to commit to something is hard, right? And now I think, well, you've got to choose your hard, <laughs> right? It's hard not right. making any money. It's hard, you know, being stuck in a job that doesn't give you any freedom. It's hard, you know, having poor relationships, right? It's also hard to front that stuff up. So so let's get into the emotional bit straight away so we can play with this. So so okay. why, why bring that into it? Like, you know, we're spreadsheet guys, What's emotion in, in this world and, and why, why has that become a pivotal part of, you know, what you're doing now in that transition?
1: I think it's everything because you're empty without, without the very things that we talk about in, in delivering and building a rich life. You know, I, I think the, the, the key component is um, life always comes first. It always trumps everything else we're doing. Yet we spend all of our time, all of our energy, all of our thought process on all the things that matter the least. And you know, I, I got a great friend of mine who uh, got into a pretty bad accident, ended up in a ditch for thirteen hours, and he was he was uh, pulled out, had a horrible head injury, you know, had to had to rebuild his life. So hold on, so he um, was
0: he was you know thrown out of a car and in a ditch or he's in the car what what
1: like yeah he was he was actually in the car in a small little ravine and about 13 14 hours later they they found him and he had been knocked out he had a huge head injury and um he's one of my best friends in the world we we went to college together and we talked you know weeks after he was back and and able and and uh and here's this is an interesting dynamic and and this is ties in the point He's super successful in real estate, doing unbelievable things. Every time we talk, we probably talked about our frustration points with our lives because we're such close friends. We might complain about little idiosyncrasies with the kids or our spouses or it was it was guy stuff, right? The first thing he said is he laid in that ditch and all he could think about was his wife and his kids. And it was the only thing on his mind. He didn't think about money. He didn't think about his business. He didn't think about anything but his relationships that mattered the most. And so the reason to answer the question, so, so, uh, you know, with a little bit of depth is I think we're all like that. It just takes a little while to get down to the nitty gritty of what really matters to you. And I say, well, what does freedom mean to you? That's what it means. It means like trying to find what that real freedom of your day, your life, your values, your 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 relationships, what does it mean? And do you think people struggle with that? Generally? I think I think I think we all do. So, you know, I, I'm one of those people, Nick, that that's going to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't have it all figured out. I work at it all the time. It's hard. And you have to remind yourself in moments in life sometimes that this is what you believe, this is why you believe it. Mm-hmm. And this is how I go back to that that discipline again but the truth is we all struggle with with that i think prioritizing in the moment especially if you're successful at whatever you're doing let's be honest you you are going to be imbalanced period if you're great at something you know and if you're the best in the world at it like a michael jordan you might be only great at 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 playing basketball and the other parts of your life might not be so great so Finding where you want to have that balance and how often you kind of recheck and calibrate the imbalance, I think is is what we all will focus on and work on in our lives. So
0: what therefore? And I want to delve into some of that as well, because I've I've got some different thoughts. I think they'll probably align with yours actually, but some thoughts on balance anyway. But for you personally, what is freedom?
1: That's a great question. First person that's asked me that. No, I, that can't. I honestly, it's, it's, a, it's only a book title. <laughs> it is, but if you're the first person in like 17 podcasts that's asked mm, okay. me that question. I, you know, I am, I am always defining what freedom means to me at this point in time in my life. Right now, um, freedom means doing more of the things I love, mm. uh, wearing what I want to wear, with the people that I wanna be surrounded with. I spend very, very limited time in places that I don't like. I mean, I'll walk away from a close family member's conversation if I don't like the way it's 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 heading or it's the wrong negative energy. Like I just, I don't have any time for it. And the truth is freedom is doing more of the things I love with the people that I love and, and really creating a path forward that only invests further into that. And so defining that, I love traveling with my wife. I love watching my boys play soccer. I love building this company. I love watching people's leadership develop. I mean, these are the things, podcasts and conversations with great people that I've never met before that become relationships that go into the future. These are the things I love. And that's the freedom I have today.
0: So you may not have been asked that question before, but you've certainly thought about it. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> let's play, play with this. Cause I, um, the way I do things here and everyone knows this is I listen a lot. Um, and something, things occur to me with intuition, right? So was there a point, let's go back a little bit again and we'll come back to this point. Was there a point where you had some form of epiphany that, that made you then reflect on these deeper questions? Was there a point where you were stuck somewhere Right, could be in the whole financial advisor world, and something happens, whatever that was, and you thought, you know what, I'm going to change this. I'm going to be more entrepreneurial. I'm going to go out there and make a bigger mark on the world. I'm going to lean into this. Is is there a story there
1: or not? Yeah, I I think there's actually a couple. And here's what I'll tell you: there were there was never one only only one epiphany. There were several. So when I was when I was in my twenties and I was working for the attorney general's office for the state of Virginia, and I had a pretty I had a pretty cool job, but it, it didn't have a pretty cool future because I was tied to somebody else. And so um, I had an epiphany there when I called one of my aunts and was complaining on the phone. She's like a second mom to me. I have five aunts and uh, and an uncle with my mom's side of the family. And I was, just, I was just going off about how everything just wasn't working out. It was not even my way, but she advised that I should be doing I should be a financial advisor that she knew a lot of people that were doing this. She had seen all these people being trained in the office she was working in. I'd be great at it. She knows me and I need to just pick my head up. And I had an offer for a job with my father-in-law. I had an uncle that offered me a job, had another uncle that was trying to get me into software sales. I had all these good things happening, but the epiphany was my aunt knew me best. And if she thought I could be great at this, I need to listen to other people and stop trying to force things in my life. And that was that was one of the first major epiphanies. Mm, And when I I started, I didn't like, I I didn't agree with all the ways to build the business that the company was telling me. But for the first time in my life at 23, 24 years old, I said, you know what, shut up and do what they tell you for the first two years or until you set a goal or bogey that you go on your own path. And so I did that and I found I found great success in that space. The next epiphany was I was kind of in a leadership mode um, and I, I had decided that I, I loved that even more than I loved the day-to-day management and the day-to-day um, client interaction. I loved that, but I really loved leadership development. I loved being a coach and a consultant to all the other people that I was, I was advising and leading. And um, I didn't get a career opportunity that I felt at the time was a no-brainer. And um, it was a gut punch. I mean, the best part of the story I tell you, I tell in the book is, you know, you got to surround yourself with people that know you better than yourself sometimes and that see greatness in you that goes beyond what you can always see in yourself, especially in those tough times. And so I didn't get this job. They told me that I was uh, too much of an entrepreneur mindset. I was a wild card, quote unquote. And um, that although I was a, a very, very good leader, I wasn't going to make a great manager. And everything they said was true. And and so I come home and I tuck my boys in and they used to share a bedroom at this time. And so I get them laying in bed. My wife texts me from upstairs. She said, come down. I want to celebrate. And and so I, I the kids fall asleep. I walk downstairs. They were young at the time, younger. She has a bottle of champagne and two glasses. And she said, let's go swimming. She never wants to go night swimming ever. (laughs) I've been asked since we got that pool to go swimming and she would not do it. Um, We get in the pool and she pours me a glass of, I think, Prosecco at the time. And uh, and I said, what are we celebrating? I just I've been working to have this opportunity because I thought this was the next decade of my life. And she said, we're celebrating the fact that I have you a little longer, that this isn't the right fit for you. And I know it. And you know it when you really think about it. And this just means we're closer to what you're really supposed to be doing. And um, and so powerful. Right. I mean, it's amazing. Being married. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. So that was I think that was an epiphany because I knew she was with me, whether I failed or succeeded. And I think some of my ups, uh, some of my uncomfort, uh, or uncomfortability, if you will, was coming from I was disappointing my family. I was disappointing the people I was there to serve, which is how I look at everything in life. And I think that changed my dynamic. I was like, okay, we got this together, and that that was a that was a pinnacle moment, one of many.
0: So where does you know, just again, drawing it on those, on those three epiphanies, where does um, surrender and serendipity now fit on your scale? Are you more akin to that than maybe you were in the past sort of leaning into the unknown and having hope and expectation that it's going to just work out?
1: Yeah, I I think I've always felt like it was just going to work out, but I think I started my career the way I describe it, Nick, is I was down on the ground, punching up everywhere Mm. Everything I did, I was fighting everybody. You know, I was I, I look back at opportunities I had and I was I was assertive at the wrong times. And I always had to show and tell the world how I could be better or I was better in the very, very infancy of my career. And and this is part of being a young person and not coming from a business background, not having, you know, a lot of influence in that space. Um, But I, I had to, I had to really humble myself and shut up and listen. Like it's the, it's a theme when you're a great talker and communicator in your life, in your, in your, in your, in the world around you, you can lean into those things a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And And so to play back a little bit of that as well. So in terms of ego and, and being able to check that A little bit to kind of move into what you're doing now. Where did that play a
1: part in this? Yeah, you know, I've always been a servant leader. Um, but I I maybe was a servant leader with a with an objective and a goal that was very, very strong. And to your point earlier on your question, I probably have become, and I know I have, I'm much more of a leader that focuses on principles, values, and actions today. And knowing that if I do the right thing, the right result is coming not so much focusing on the result. And that's been a major shift. And ego, I think, was in the beginning, it was about finding financial freedom. Honestly, I just didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I I go back to a moment when I was a kid and my dad was riding his bike to to his job with his lunchbox and his uniform. And uh, it's 104 degrees outside and we're walking home. He had his bike and he's sweating, his shirt is just completely drenched. And all I could think about in my brain was not how unbelievable my father was that he was willing to do that, not how my sister was clueless and all this and had no idea, but <laughs> there's gotta be a better way. That's always been my mentality. There's gotta be a better way, dad. And, and you know, he laughs about it today, cause it is how I am. Um, but I, I just didn't wanna get there. I didn't wanna go back. And I think a little bit was driven by scarcity. So ego Mm -hmm. is often scarcity because you think that only so many people can win. Right. But the abundance shift was the greatest. That was, you know, that was the the shift to reading more, learning more, being mentored, not just mentoring. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things changed and it became now I want to give it all away. I want to give it all away and teach anybody I can. So they don't have to be as stupid and, and dense as I was to get where I'm at. It's
0: Kind of a problem when you get to that level, right? Because I'm there too. And <laughs> you've got to kind of sometimes just think about that in the in the set of, you know, how you prioritize your time and your actions. Because like, you know, I, people say to me all the time, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? Well, I would just travel the world speaking on stages. That's all I want to do, That's all I do. <laughs> right? Which is educating right. and training. And off the back of that is, you know, to be able to um, help people in that way. I obviously have to, you know, change my identity and I have to shift and I have to learn things, right? So I'm always studying stuff and then trying to be almost like the curator or the guide of that information in the way that I can communicate it, right? It's not, some of the stuff isn't, you know, unique to me. It's just the way that I interpret it, which, you know, hopefully gets out there and helps people. But it's funny when you reach that point, because I went, I went from hardcore, you know, billions type of, you know, Bobby Axelrod, if you know the show, Private Equity, yeah. like crazy stories, you know, have a beer and chat about it, it's good fun, um into kind of like just quitting it all. <laughs> like just quitting it all, right? To go and do something else, like proper crazy stuff. So so let's sort of get back into into kind of how you've created this company. Because, you know, this this show here is now Scale Up with Nick Bradley. It used to be called Scale Up Your Business a while back. And we used to talk about the different things. So I want to kind of talk about you know what's important to you. know now how you've taken those principles into your business, uh, and then I want to do. I do want to get practical for a bit and talk about some of the things that you do, so we can help people think about things differently from a wealth creation standpoint as well. That's cool. Sure. So, so to sure. give me that. Give me that. That transition into the business and and those things.
1: Yeah, I think um, once I didn't get that role, I started to evaluate other opportunities. I started looking at at at. Building my own brand, building my own company, doing all the things I'd always dreamed of doing, and um, and truthfully, it all came down to making everything that I could see clearly and simplify for other people an easier pathway, an easier transition. You know, there are um, lots of things that that when I was creating the company, very simply, I, I started and I wanted to create a, a platform. The average age of a financial advisor is 62 years old and, and they have no step down plan. Like 73% of them have zero step down plan. And most of them that have a step down plan have a have, I, I, I will not say most that have a plan. I will say a lot of them that have a plan. It's not the greatest. It, it involves their children who aren't interested or maybe not even of age to take over the business or a platform or a business that, that doesn't even mirror or match what they do, how they do it. And I started to see this trend in studying. And I said, I want to build a company that focuses on that last chapter. Okay, I was lucky enough to come up in an industry where I was 23. And there today, there are more 80-year-old financial advisors in the States than there are 30-year-old um, advisors. Because when I started in the early 2000s, you had two major downturns and most people that were young got out. They got out. They got into real estate. They went into other businesses. They got safe. So I knew that I had this, this special space where I could build something and connect the generations. And so I built a platform that would make stepping down easier. And in doing that, I started to work really hard, Nick, on the things that um, that were so scalable and so repeatable that it would become easy for someone to say, oh, your practice is a perfect fit for us because you take all these things off our plate. And in turn, it started to also become valuable to younger advisors who wanted to tap into that earlier in their career. And so by creating one thing, I was able to create another, another opportunity and another shift of business that mm, okay. allowed us to move in a different dynamic. And that's kind of how we become the company that we are today. And did you, from,
0: from the beginning, let's call it the vision of the business, had you constructed that yet or has this evolved over time?
1: I had a, um, what I say is I'm great at creating a, um, a a pretty good rough draft. I think I had a rough draft. It was really rough. It was really rough. I mean, some of the things in the draft just, just were driven on, um, where I saw our team, our company in three years. I did a vivid vision. Uh, Cameron Harold wrote a great book called vivid vision. And I know Cameron through a couple of groups I'm affiliated with and, I created a vivid vision pretty early, and um, and that's been a guide. I mean, in the vivid vision, I said I'd be writing a book, I'd be doing a podcast. I had zero of those things uh, until about a year ago. So, is that right? Um, so,
0: what you and yes. really is that again? I like to delve into these bits, but have were you just not aware of that as a principle beforehand? So the idea that you you create a a, a, color, a really colourful picture of this in fact one of my coaches said to me a goal is something that you come from not something that you work towards right so you're there you you feel it right and then after yeah. feeling it the construct to get there becomes easier
1: I, I agree completely i think i think specifically i was really focused on foundation on infrastructure mm. on deliverables i am a i'm a i'm a old school man of my word kind of mentality. If I tell you this is what it's going to be, I want it to be as close to that as it possibly can be with a little bit of flexibility of things changing along the way. But I couldn't do that unless I focused on infrastructure and foundation. And so um, it felt selfish to focus on some of the other things that I wanted to get out to the world. So, I mean, I started creating YouTube videos and different, uh, different things that are on all the things that are in the book. I mean, when I talk about the book, I, I wrote each of these sub chapters are titles I created so I could do videos on each of these sub subtitles and, and uh, life work balance, discipline is freedom, um, taking stock, owning your future. I mean, you just go in the habit um, of
0: making an impact people are about living yeah. their legacy. I've got it all here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So these, these are all the things that I, that I, I was doing and I was building towards it and I was feeling it. I just wasn't quite ready to share it with the world. I wanted to feel uh, a freedom, if you will, yeah. to be able to, to get to that point. And, you know, now I'm just I'm so excited to be able to do that and watching it grow into what that vision was from the beginning has been one of the most um, most valuable things that I've done. And I'm, I'm proud to show my children that because they've been able to see that growth and that hard work and and it's paying off.
0: So first question, let's let's unpack the vision a bit here, okay? Cuz you just went into it a little bit, but try and articulate if you can what that vivid vision is.
1: Okay. The the vivid vision was to create a platform first, and the platform had I had to dive into the little things, the scalable things. So what are the things that keep people from going out and doing stuff on their own? Like if if when you said you made, a, you made a, a, a quick U-turn, right? You just stopped from the billions life and you went into a totally different dynamic. In order for people to feel more comfortable with that, I wanted to unpack and create a vision that allowed me to figure out what was keeping people from doing that. And a lot of it was the little things. Fear gets in our brain. And the, the, the actual thought of the fear is way worse than the actionable thing that we're worried about. Worry yep. is praying for what we don't want. And so people build this in their brain and then they don't do stuff. And so if I could say, oh, you're worried about HR, we, we can help you with the HR uh, capacity. Very easy thing. Here's how we do it. Oh, you need investment management platform. We can, we can do that. Here's how we do that. We've partnered with these companies and here's what we're going to do you you're concerned about compliance and the regulation and how the world's changing i agree let me let me show you what we built to combat that and so it really came down to what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to what do you want to do what does that freedom mean to you in this career but did you, to, bring, you to, to
0: bring you back a bit here though scott did you did that, didn't that start with you first didn't that sure. like there's a point there where you said you know whether, whether whether what you were doing before that was, you know, we're talking probably 12 to 18 months now because I didn't quite appreciate the speed of this <laughs> until now, which is awesome. Um, was there a point where you had to look in, you know, more intuitively within yourself first and go either I'm built for a bigger mission, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a bigger game, right? I'm going to put myself out there, right? And not really know where it's going to end up. Or the other way of looking at it is what I'm doing now isn't really serving you know, me, there's something, there's something scratching away inside here, which means I need to lean into that. I, I, I'm curious about that because I, I find with vision, because I went through a process myself, you sometimes have to create a bigger vision for you, right? First it's the whole, you know, put on the, the mask and the plane going down thing before you can create a bigger vision for others. And I'm just curious if that was part of the journey.
1: 100%. I mean, I if you go into that vivid vision, first of all, and, and unpack it, couple of phrases stood out. Number one is better together. I have a mentality that I needed to surround myself that did with people that did things I didn't, I wasn't great at, or I didn't like doing and being more in tune with what I'm great at doing and diving deeper into that was a major, major shift for me. And it was it was uh, something I, I, you know, you, you, you build an individual practice and you got to do a lot of things. You're doing everything. So finding the better together mentality was was crucial. I constantly say build something bigger than ourselves. So that goes to the question. What I was really trying to do was build something bigger. Every time I ended up in a room surrounded by people that in my brain going into that room, I thought were further along. They had it all figured out. They were smarter than me. They were. And and remember, I, I talked about the abundance shift. So I really came in with a learner and a grower mentality in the last decade of my career, my life, where maybe in that first decade, it was a little more of, of what can I what can I take from the world versus what can I give of myself and to the world. And everything I do is about giving of myself and what my gifts are to the world and the people around it and the people that I can help. And, you know, so it's a much bigger why, a much larger mentality.
0: Okay. And and the acceleration of that then to write a book, you know, put your message out there, all that sort of stuff. What's, what's driven that? Is that because you feel more clarity now, more
1: alignment? Uh, I I think great questions. Um, I think that it's definitely more alignment. I also think that, you know, I started to create a bunch of videos and I just started doing stuff. You know, I believe that Nike's tagline isn't just try it, it's just do it. And if you really want to get good at something, you start doing it. And so I started creating content and the person that was helping me Uh, was a PR person, former television uh, personality that did a great job. And and she would say, why are we creating this content? And I said, I don't know. I just (laughs) need to create it and put it out there because I got to get better at it. And here's what happened. The, The key is I started getting texts, emails, phone calls from people around me that I didn't even know were watching, listening or paying attention. And the message, the consistent message was, please keep doing that. Please keep giving us pieces of positivity, business aptitude, learned lessons. I watch all of your stuff. And, you know, in the beginning, you might only have a hundred people that watch anything you're doing. And, you know, then you have 200 people that watch it's hun- it. And-
0: hundred if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky,
1: that actually care, right? That actually yeah. care. And, um, and I-, I think that just drove me to create more. And it, it was the final straw that said, I got to get this book out. I got to get some of these ideas out because honestly, it's the first book. It's not the last one. I need to get the first one out because I can't even get to the next chapter without getting out the first chapter. It, there's, it's just a much bigger, bigger appeal and, and seeing the impact it was making. I talk about living your legacy, not waiting to live it. I think a lot of people look at legacy as something that, that comes later in life. And I believe that it's part of what you're building at all times. Yeah,
0: so, I, like so that. I, have I haven't to, heard that before. I got to live nice true expression. to that. That's a nice expression because you're being more present with it as opposed to thinking it's something that, you know, when you're not around. Because because the foundations of any legacy happen today, don't they, right? When you think about it, it's the, it's the difference you make today. I had a, I was in, um, going to bed last night and uh, I had a message on LinkedIn from someone, young guy. And, you know, I can't remember exactly the word for word. It was a long message, but it was like, I found I started listening to your stuff about 18 months ago and it's changed my life. And I've had a few of those. I'm sure you have too, but but it's when they come and you don't expect it and you sometimes forget, right? You sometimes forget that that's the impact you're making. And if you're just changing the life of one person, that's enough, right? It's incredible. It's an incredible gift once you start to understand it.
1: Well, giving is selfish. I say this all the time. Mm, Giving is the most selfish thing we can do, but man, it is awesome. And when you're able to share that, and you take that givers mentality. You know, we we just went. I just flew back from Dallas. I went to the Cowboys game, um, and so I'm a big Cowboys fan. Is, that they the, lost. is this the game? Painful. I follow this a
0: bit. Did they they yeah. now
1: I, I didn't read this, but this was like the last second thing, right? Yeah, they 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 lost when they started the game because they weren't playing to win. That's ah, this is what happens in okay. life. A lot of us get mad at the result, but we don't get mad at the at the input, the data input, the work ethic, all the things that go into it, and then we judge based on the last result. And, and so I, I watched the game and um, I, I went with some friends and it was a pretty VIP experience. And we went to an NBA game the next, the next night, another VIP experience. Every single person that I met, I looked in the eye and said, thank you. And, and created conversations. And I, I have made it an active goal in my life to not just work on the impact that you have at the end, but on the impact that you can have in the moment, because people need that connection. They need that interaction and not everybody's comfortable with it. And people like you and I are very comfortable with that connection. And, and I think that connection is really that, that, uh, that special gift that I lean into more and more every day.
0: Has that been the thing that has opened more up for you personally as well? Because you know, I looked through what you talk about in the book and you talk about rich relationships right? And we'll talk about rich and wealth and the different definitions of that. And I think we probably have, a, uh, again, probably a very similar view. But, but is that what you mean? Is that the core to this? Like, you know, going, going maybe deeper than the superficial
1: and to your point, being absolutely present when it matters? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. My, the, the living a rich life, the story I use is my, one of my sons, again, just asked me, dad, would you be rich if you didn't have us? And um, mm, I have one whoa. son who's a who's yeah. How powerful is that, right? Oof, I get and, goosebumps and, when things like that happen. Look, check it out. Yeah, <laughs> he did, and I was I was tucking them in. I I put them both in the same room. We have a had a fairly large house. We we had I made them get bunk beds. My wife did not understand why I made them go in the same room, and I said at the end of the day, I really want them to love each other. And sometimes you can't like each other during the day, but you love each other at night. And oh, brothers. Man lay in bed and <laughs> and talk and so man when they first started uh, my oldest had the top bunk my youngest had the had the lower bunk then they would start sleeping together then my youngest didn't want to sleep with them anymore but the oldest wanted to stay all these stories came from sh- sharing a room but I'm walking out one night and and Carson my oldest says dad he's an entrepreneur mindset he's thinking about the result. He's more driven and dominant than I am. His personality is a little bit more dominant and results-oriented than I am, which is powerful and challenging as a father occasionally. But he, <laughs> uh, he says to me, would you be rich? And I looked at him and I said, buddy, I, I giggled. I said, so if you're asking me about money and you're trying to understand, children cost a lot of money. And, and being married- Is is something your mom and I chose, but without you, I'd have zero level of wealth. And I said, You don't understand what that means, but let me tell you life is about investing in other people. Life is about having relationships. Life is about knowing that watching you and your brother grow is the greatest accomplishment I may ever have in my life. And I'm in it for your life. I'm in it as long as I'm here, I'm in it. And so, the reality was I'd spent some time, probably 15 minutes talking about what it meant to be rich and it had nothing to do with money. And that also was a, was a, was an epiphany. Cause I think sometimes as a father, you're like, you know, does anybody appreciate anything we're doing? Do you even know what I'm, and, and you get this mindset and you got to remind yourself that, yeah, they appreciate it, but it's part of your job. It's part of what you're doing. You're, you're creating an example that's bigger than yourself again.
0: Well, you so, know, I, I, I often say that before I've got two daughters and um, similar stories to yours, actually, like they, uh, they sleep in the same bed now, but there's points in time where they, you know, they're either really connected or not and all that sort of stuff But the experience to watch is great. But I found the whole um, parenting thing for me was more about um, thinking and feeling something above and beyond yourself. Right. So, you know, when you're younger, And, you know, everything revolves around you. It comes back to that point around ego again. And then you have kids and, and, you know, you have this little thing, right? Or a couple of little things. And all of a sudden, nothing else matters, right? Like really, nothing else matters to the point you said about your friends in the ditch, right? You know, he's talking about his kids and his wife, you know. And I suppose in the world that we get involved in, you know, financial stuff and money and numbers and all that sort of stuff, you know, you've got to really kind of just think about that at a higher level right? Not, not just what it is because you're right. No one cares, you know, about it later on, but in the moment, it numbs you. Yeah.
1: It doesn't, it numbs you a bit when you're in the money world and you spend all your time talking about money, you become a little bit numb and you have to almost wake yourself up occasionally because little things, little comments, little thoughts are so normal because of the world you're in that, that um, we started a couple of videos called Conversations About Money because I realized most of the conversations I have with people are so intimate because it's about their financial picture. Uh, think about when someone, we, we talked right before we started about, about working out, right? I work out for lots of reasons. I want to live a long life. I want to give the world as much as I can. I want to be there for my children and grandchildren when they come one day. I want to look the best that I possibly can. I've already lost all my hair. So, you know, I got to at least have a body that's decent. (laughs) All, all the things though, when you get out of the shower and you look in the mirror, not a lot of people love what they see. Okay. And, and I don't care. And even people that are actually doing all the right things, struggle to love what they see. When you come in and talk about money and someone asks you intimate questions about, Money and people associate money with life success, they feel like they're standing in front of the mirror naked, telling you everything that's wrong with their life. And I've always felt like that is a very valuable, special thing. And you got to make sure that you respect people, you understand it, but there's conversations that we have that numb us to what's going on in the entire world. And I, and I try to bring all that back in and, and simplify some of the stuff that That is uh, what I consider extremely valuable.
0: So the philosophy then, just to talk about this a bit more, because, you know, I'd like to finish our conversation today going into this a bit more to help people as well. So so from a philosophy perspective and an approach perspective, if someone comes in and they're, let's say they're in their head, right? Because it's money and it's numbers and it's bank accounts. And, you know, I want to create this. How do you work with that? Do you try and sort of bring them a little bit outside of that to connect with a bigger purpose. Is that, is that one of your philosophies here? Yeah. In order for them to make, in order for them, sorry to finish the point in order for them to be able to make the best decisions and to be able to um, understand how this all works.
1: Yeah. One, one of the benefits of starting in an industry that had always been about money and sales and, Mm -hmm. um, and, Everything that it couldn't be in the next two decades and everything it won't be in the next two, I realized very quickly that if I didn't create a relationship that went beyond money, then I wouldn't have a business because I would only be as good as someone saw me as a commodity. So my commodity was connection. So the first thing that I do when they come in is I try to understand what freedom means to them. It's no mm. different. This this didn't just come out of a hat. It's something I've been doing for 20 years where sometimes I'm a marriage counselor. Sometimes the very thing that's keeping them from being successful is the fact that them and their partner or their spouse can't get on the same page. And, and they don't empathize with each other because one person came from money, one person didn't. And it's my job to help them see the commonality that they're both working towards the same thing. Sometimes they're so, um, They're so uh what's the word? They they're so used to self-sabotaging that every time they get to the point where they're gonna succeed, they blow it up. And they do it with money. People do it with money all the time. They they finally get the promotion and they have a chance to go to the next level and they've spent a hundred percent of everything in that next level before they even started the job, before they even started the money coming in. And they've already, they've already imploded without using it to get ahead. How many people come into my office, I can't even count, and say, if I only had X and it's never good enough? Uh, why ben is that? Hardy- let's,
0: let's jump into that a bit. Why is that the case? Because I love the word sabotage here because you're right. I think back to when I had my corporate world, I call my private equity and corporate world. I was that. Like I'd get the promotion, I'd get the bonus, and the bonus was spent on some crap that I didn't even care about, right? But why do we do yeah. that? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure you don't anymore, but, like, <laughs> right,
1: but. Well, I think we all do. I think we all do occasionally. I mean, let's, to, to be honest with you, it just might be on a smaller scale. Um, the things that I can do, I may not do, but I still do some things because here's, first of all, you want to feel like it matters. So success, when you first start becoming successful, again, quotes, whatever that means to you. And it's defined by whatever it means to you. You keep redefining what success means to you over and over and over again. So the version of success we have when we start might have been, um, very small and today it might be very grand. And so, first of all, people do it because they feel like they deserve something that they deserve something for all this work. And that's very natural and human. Mm -hmm. Um, the real self-sabotage point, though, comes down to not loving themselves. At the end of the day, take, take us getting out of the shower, looking in the mirror. You have to love what you see all the time. And the, the minute you stop loving who you are, what you've become, the life you're living, the relationships you're in, you start to sometimes do things that mess them up because you feel like you're not worthy of it. You're not... You're mm. not you're not um, deserving of it. And maybe it comes from, from not having something. A lot of people that come from nothing struggle with this because they almost feel, um, I, and I, I, I talk about this not only because I've seen it for 20 years in practice, but I've felt it. I remember, I remember feeling like uh, looking and, and saying, okay, I've, I'm a millionaire, okay, And I I mean, I'm even uncomfortable saying those things because it it mattered so much to me when I was a kid, but I'm a millionaire. What good is being a millionaire if the people you love the most around you are suffering? What good is being a millionaire if my single mother sister is struggling with a couple of things that I might be able to help her out with that I've been helping? But I mean, can I really change her life? And these were things that started to filter and change because that's really not only loving who you are, but it's loving what you have and how you can give more to the world. And all that seems to be coming back abundantly. And I think watching people in my office in these conversations, Nick, it often comes down to this. They just need a recipe. Sometimes people have it in them, but they just need some lines. They just need some bumpers, some guidelines, some blueprints, some foundational structure. And maybe they just need an accountability partner. You might be the best workout guy in the world, but if you've got a personal trainer, you're probably going to be even better than you thought you could be. And, and that's how I, that's how I approach a lot of those conversations. What does freedom mean to them on a deeper level? And how can I help them find it? And we can get through the idiosyncrasies and the insecurities and the challenges. And we can't fix them all, but we can certainly be aware of them.
0: Yeah, so that, that's the point I was going to draw on then because even as you, as you said, you know, you know, I'm a millionaire but I'm, I'm not comfortable and you weren't comfortable when you said it, right? So the feeling I had when I watched that, right, was are we ever, right? We might be able to be more aware of those things, right? And we might be able to, as you said, do things around them, have methods, routines, habits, practices, which help us to, you know, manage but do we ever get over that?
1: I, I think um, I think we uh, if you believe in something bigger than yourself, and for me it's God, for other people, it might be just spiritual in general, whatever it is, but when you believe there's something more important than you in this world, you always are a bit humbled by success. I feel like you're always a bit grateful and you feel blessed. And the more you dig into that, the more you want to give back. And this is the very thing that I think it's, it's every time we give of ourselves in something, even if it's a conversation, if it helps somebody and they text you that you might've impacted or changed their life in a level that nobody else can. And I can't think of why we wouldn't have conversations like this if it wasn't helping people to change their lives. And so I, I get a little more comfortable with it every year but I also, but I also feel like um, I'm a steward. I'm a steward of what's been given and what I've earned. And I want to make sure I make the right decisions and choices in life with that in mind.
0: Okay. Nice way of putting it. I think, I think for me, it's, you know, there's, there's stuff that happens throughout your life, you know, experiences that you have moments, memories, um, sometimes programming. Right. And, And those things are the sort of rich tapestry to put it that way of who you are, right? And you're not gonna lose those things, right? You know, I grew up, you know, significance is still massively important to me, right? You know, in a different way than it used to be, right? It used to be about promotions and money and status of houses and cars and all that. Still love those things, I still enjoy those things, but significance has now come from helping others, but it's still there. It's not going to go away, you know, and I don't, right. you know, you got, for me, it's about leaning into some of this stuff and saying, that's who I am, but to your great point, understanding how you manage it. So it effectively serves you better. And I can't think of a better way of almost finishing this conversation by going back to the word emotion, right? You know, the emotions of this stuff and trying to manage that. So, so for you personally, for you personally, what has that journey been for yourself and for your clients around emotions? And when you yes. are serving your clients at the highest level, where does that all fit in? Where do you bring that in and how do you bring that in?
1: So that's a great question. And there's so much depth to that. I think one of the first things I always do is I describe any relationship with um, any relationship in general is about what you put into it. And if you don't have patience, if you don't have um, some some depth and flexibility. Relationships are tough because we're all human and we're different. So I I often use the analogy that in order to help people understand what long-term success with money looks like, I often use long-term successful relationships. Mm. So if I'm doing a presentation, I might say, how many people in here have been married 25 years? And everybody stand up. And I mean, the whole room stands up, half the room stands up. Then I say, how about 50 years? And More people sit down and I say, how about 60 years? And occasionally there'll be someone at 65 years, okay, that they've been married, 60 years. I mean, they got married as babies, right? And they're highly successful and they're still learning, still listening, still growing. And I often single them out and I'll say, tell me, were there ever bad days? And they laugh, (laughs) they laugh. And then they say, "What? were there ever bad years? And and they say, yeah, there were bad years. There were there were bad decades sometimes, or a decade, or five years. But much like investing or financial success, when you look at the long-term picture, they wouldn't have done it with anybody else. They don't want to sit or lay every night next to somebody else. They are with their person, and that person's stuff is all theirs. And a relationship that we try to define of, of successful, um, management of successful, um, uh, financial, you know, wealth comes from patience comes from a long-term mentality, comes from the work you put into it, comes from empathy and understanding about flexibility. And you, the things you can't control are what most people want to control. I mean, I can still tell you almost on a daily basis, someone asked me specifically what the market's going to do. I don't know exactly what the, I have. I have some concepts. I have some thoughts. I have some opinions, but you know, you, you give up your ego real quick and you say, look, it's about the relationship. It's about understanding what's important to you. It's about helping you find the magic of what freedom means to you and for you that success might mean x where for me it might mean y but we're going to work to get you to x because that's what you want and I, I hope that answers the question but, but i mean it it's, was a deep it was such deep an awesome question. question it was a
0: deep question and and you know what your answers to all the questions have been really well thought through <laughs> so so you know because i try to sort of you know i'm not trying to catch people out on this show right but you know, I like to go a bit deeper on some of the things because I think it helps people to understand it, right? We could, have, we could have gone to X and O's and all sorts of crazy financial stuff and it would have been a very superficial hour, like not necessarily a bad hour and, and absolutely people would have learned things. But, you know, I got a sense from, you know, reading your story and your bio before coming on the show that there's a lot more behind what you do and why you do what you do, which I think sometimes people need to hear that and that's going to change their lives, more so than just talking about financial advice.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's boring. I mean, people get turned off. If you're in the elevator, they used to say, Scott, what's your elevator pitch? And I would say, well, I don't want to tell them I'm a financial advisor because within the first 30 seconds, they stop listening. So I used to say, I'm a life coach that specializes in money. And, and I do that's three things. That, that's more interesting. Yeah. It, it gets you that the, the app if for the right person, they would then say, Wow, Scott, I want to know more about that. And I'd say, yeah, we do investment management, but most importantly, we identify and scenario plan if this, then that. And then then third, we vision coach. What is most important to you? What lights you up? What do you want to do in the next chapter of your life? And how can we help you get there? And the right person is going to say, Wow, that's really interesting. And the wrong person yeah. is going to be like, This guy's an idiot. He's so bad. Because, but
0: the thing I love about that also is that's a massive you know, without getting too much into the business side of it, that's a massive disruptive play to the world of financial, you know, advice and wealth management, right? Cause that's, I mean, I do it a little bit too, cause you know, I've got three questions I ask people, right? You know, what is, what is your life changing number? Right. But there's more behind that. Why does that number matter? And is what you're doing now in your business going to get you there now, underneath each of those questions, particularly the last one and the second one to its extent is you have to go deeper than just the number, right? the number is whatever it is but it's it's there's, there's more meaning underneath it so that's why i thought there's a lot of similarities yeah <laughs> that's, so that's so, so
1: true so the book
0: freedom street which you know what we touched on it i am going to say to everyone listening to this today that we touched on lots of elements of the book actually um but there is more in there much more in there than we um, got on so i'm going to suggest that you go and look it up where you can find it. Amazon, I imagine.
1: <laughs> All yep, good bookstores. Everywhere.
0: Yes. And what's my final couple of questions for you, for Scott, What what's next for Scott? So you've had this massive trajectory of putting yourself out there, serving, you know, amazing content. You know, I've, I've experienced that in the last hour. What's next?
1: I think doing more of this. I mean, ultimately you, you said it early in the conversation, you said, if I could stand on stage and help more people and, and get that you, you get the feeling that you need, but you're also helping a mass number of people. And hopefully yeah. you're not just motivating them. You're actually driving them to changes or opportunities or something that's going to add an impact in their life. And I think for me, it's it's creating more impact. It's, it's, the, it's the continuation of what we've been building with our company, but but even more so it's developing Um, the conversations that we're having right now, having a lot more of them and helping to learn and grow along the way. That's only going to help me in other things that I do and help other people more.
0: Awesome. Boom. Great way to finish. So where can people find you, Scott? We've talked about the book Freedom Street, which I'll mention again. But if people want to reach out and say, thank you, you know, or anything like that, or find out more, where can they go?
1: scottdanner.com is probably the easiest way and i just launched a youtube channel it is a baby it's in its infancy we are working to develop it so if you uh, go to youtube and scott danner and you like any parts of our message this is the kind of message that i do on a weekly daily basis that we're trying to deliver for people so maybe we're just a little bit more positivity in a world full of negative uh, energy like it like it a lot
0: Well, Scott Danner, a pleasure having you on Scale Up with me, Nick Bradley. (laughs) used to be Scale Up Business, so I'm kind of getting used to the change. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thanks for coming on the show, and I want to wish you all the best with what you're doing, Um, outstanding stuff. Thank you
1: so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.